Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and this week, a kind of a different episode, right? Like, we're not talking about any people. You know, there's no serial killers. There's no, like, strange characters. These are all events that took place in the sky that people just can't really seem to explain. And so we're going to look at four different events from history. Uh, We're going to look at uh, events in Nuremberg, Germany, Basel, Switzerland. Uh, We're going to also look at the miracle of the sun in Portugal and the chimney rock apparitions in North Carolina. So let's get into it. start on April 14th, all the way back in 1561, uh, in the early morning hours, as the sun was rising, uh, the skies above Nuremberg, Germany just got weird. Uh, it started when these two red arcs appeared uh, like above and below the sun, right? Uh, which is odd because, you know, it's a blue sky day. Seeing anything red is obviously very out of the ordinary. And as time kind of went on a little bit, the sky above and below the sun just got completely red. And then these dark black spots began appearing all around the sun. Uh, Some of the black spots, as it was reported, were lined up in rows of three. Other black spots formed the shape of a square. Uh, And then according to some people, blood red crosses began to appear inside of the black little circles uh, or the black spots. And then it also then started to look as if the black spots were kind of fighting against each other and they were dancing around the sky. They were like darting in and out of the sun or in, you know, the light of the sun. And this went on for over an hour And then finally, as if they had all just run out of energy, all of these black spots just fell down towards the earth or the horizon, and then they just evaporated and they disappeared. Uh, At the time, you know, mid-1500s, the citizens of Nuremberg immediately thought that this was just a divine sign from God that he was just really pissed off at them. Like they had just really screwed up and God was punishing them for something. But, um, you know, nothing was damaged there. You know, everything in the city was fine, but uh, the citizens in Nuremberg felt really strongly that God was trying to tell them something. Uh, However, a lot of other people disagreed, mostly because of like logic and reasoning and things like that. Um, People eventually interpreted the events as an alien space battle that had occurred. So like when I say logic and reasoning, meh, maybe not a lot of it. <laughs> also, also like the people who later kind of interpreted it as a space battle were like, you know, farther along in the sixties and seventies when that sort of thing was, you know, really getting talked about. But, uh, yeah, like that. Yeah. So some people believe that just this giant alien space battle happened. And like, apparently just only the people in Nuremberg, were, were able to see it. Um, others believed that this story, which 
granted, originally appeared on a broadsheet, which is just like a giant piece of paper with a bunch of stories on it. Um, they believe that this was just really a metaphorical story reflecting how the people in Nuremberg felt about various wars and battles that were going on at the time. And, and to their credit, Nuremberg at this time was one of the wealthiest and most prestigious cities in Germany, but they also remained neutral in a lot of the conflicts between Catholics and Protestants at the time. However, you know, that didn't stop them from, you know, watching a lot of these battles that raged on in the countryside. And so it's, you know, you, you set fire to the next town over and as the sun, you know, comes across the horizon the next morning, it might affect the color of the sky and, and all that. So like, that makes a lot of sense. However, Five years later, uh, the residents in Basel, Switzerland, witnessed a similar kind of phenomenon not on not one or two, but on three different days in uh, 1566. Uh, it started on July 27th when, uh, f- you know, as following like the end of like a very bright, clear, sunny day, the sun shrank. And like lost all of its brightness and not like shrank as in it, like disappeared behind the horizon, like it had done every day before then, but like it literally in the sky just got smaller and, and then it got dark. And by 9 PM, it was only the size of a full moon, which granted is similar to the size of the sun, but not as big. I don't think, look, I'm not going to tell you I stare at the sun to try to figure out how big it is, but like, I think still the sun in the sky is a little bit bigger than the full than a full moon. Um, but despite regardless of the size, it looked like now that the sun was dripping blood. Uh, so now here's the thing. A lot of you who might be a little bit more astronomically minded might be thinking, well, that's just a harvest moon. They didn't realize that like the sun had gone down and the moon had risen like shortly, you know, around the same time and that this moon was a little bit more orange. And so that's just what a harvest moon is. People are dumb. And that would be like super logical. And I totally get where you're coming from, but people who reported this in Basel also reported that the moon was up in the sky at the same time and was also blood red. So like now we got like this weird, like Tatooine situation going on, you know, where Luke is staring off in the desert and you got the two sons from Tatooine beaten down on the, they just you know, that kind of stuff. Anyway, you get what I'm talking about. Um, the next morning, however, uh, the sun was still, a lot smaller and it was still very red. Um, but the day after on July 29th, everything was back to normal. The sun is its normal golden color. It's the same normal size. Everything seems to be fine on August 7th. However, the sun was joined by the black spheres, the black circles again, like they had seen in Nuremberg. And it was just darting in and out of what it looked like they were darting in and out of the sun. Um, however, unlike Nuremberg, the circles, the spheres were actually making noise, uh, quote, chattering as if they led a fight. And as the morning went on, the spheres went from black to red and then 
like in Nuremberg, they, you know, kind of fell out and just disappeared. Um, some people, you know, interpret the first two days as just an eclipse. I don't know of an eclipse that lasts for two whole days. That seems very strange. Um, no one can explain what was going on on the third day. Uh, unless you believe in aliens, then of course it was another space battle, but, um, just real strange. Like no one just really has any kind of explanation for, for what was going on there. So fast forward about 250 years on July 31st, 1806, eight-year-old Elizabeth Reeves, uh, ran home and told her older brother Morgan that she had just seen a man standing on top of Chimney Rock in North Carolina. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, Chimney Rock is this like 315 foot high granite monolith that is, you know, in total about 3000 feet above sea level, uh, overlooks the valley below. There's Lake Lure. Uh, it's just a nice little area kind of between Charlotte and Asheville, probably closer to Asheville, really, um, you know, uh, in the in the western part of North Carolina. But yeah, just a really big rock face. And then there's, you know, a, another kind of granite rock formation that today is part of Chimney Rock State Park. You can actually go up, you can get to the top of it, look out, it's a nice view. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a nice little spot. But the thing about it is, before the state park existed, before there was any kind of rock climbing, I mean, this is 1806, none of that existed. You know, the sight of a person at the top of Chimney Rock would have been practically impossible. Like, unless you hiked up around the backside of the mountain and then, like, kind of climbed down a little bit, several hundred feet down, and then back up to the top of Chimney Like, it's just really difficult to do. Um, However, you know, Morgan was pretty skeptical about this. And so he and Elizabeth returned to Chimney Rock, where they were both astonished to see what looked like thousands of people flying around Chimney Rock. Uh, these people were dressed in all white and they looked to be like this sort of combination of infants, young children and like full sized adults. But other than that, like the Reeves children, you know, Morgan and uh, Elizabeth were too far away to really make out any other discernible features. So they ran back home again. And this time they got their mother, Patsy, to come look. Uh, she was soon joined by the youngest daughter, Polly, as well as a guy named uh, Robert Searcy and uh, just an unnamed black woman, probably a slave of some sort. Um, all six of these people, you know, they get down to the base of Chimney Rock and they see the same thing. They see what looks like thousands of people flying around this mountain. Um, eventually, this crowd of flying people gathered at the top of Chimney Rock and a couple of seconds later, three of the people started floating up above the others before the entire group just began ascending higher and higher into the air before they disappeared out of sight. Um, this story was actually reported in the Raleigh register and Gazette a few weeks later. But after that event, like the flying people were never seen again, but Five years later, in 1811, a similar sort of apparition appeared. This time, however, um, people reported seeing two opposing armies uh, riding winged horses, tiny winged horses, which is funny to me, uh, you know, full-grown adults flying tiny winged horses. And they're in this battle, in this war battle above the mountain. Um, 
But rather than like one instance from one family, multiple people in different locations around the valley reported seeing the same thing. They reported seeing all of these soldiers flying tiny winged horses and they're fighting each other. Uh, and this ha- and this went on for a couple of days. On some nights, witnesses claimed to actually hear sounds of clashing metal as if like people were fighting with swords. Others uh, could also s- say they could hear the groans and cries of like the soldiers who were wounded. Uh, each time, each time this apparition appeared, the battle would only last about 10 minutes before it ultimately disappeared. Uh, newspapers all over the state reported on this phenomenon. Uh, residents ended up gathering in Rutherfordton. I hate that word. I hate that town name. Rutherfordton, uh, which is I'm probably 30 minutes to the south. Uh, they gathered together to discuss what was actually going on, and they all landed... Uh, They ended up in a consensus that what they were seeing, these apparitions, were basically a divine vision of highlights of the Revolutionary War. So, like, not even highlights of or, like, visions of the future. There's they, they think they're seeing highlights of the Revolutionary War. And there were, like, several Revolutionary War battles fought in Western North Carolina. So it's not. I mean, I get where they're coming from. I can see why they would think that. But um, however, following the sightings in 1811, as far as anyone knows, no other reports of anything strange has been seen at Chimney Rock. All right. The last one here uh, in the spring of 1917, three Catholic children uh, were working as shepherds near the Portuguese town of Fatima uh, when they began seeing angels and the Virgin Mary. You know, like, you know how kids do just seeing the Virgin Mary and angels flying around everywhere. Um, the Virgin Mary then came down and told them that prayer would bring an end to World War One. And so. Uh, they needed to pray a lot if they wanted this war to end, but even more, uh, on October 13th, uh, the, the lady, I don't know who the lady is, but this lady would reveal her true identity and perform a miracle quote, so that all may believe. And, uh, so the kids, uh, these girls, these three Catholic girls, they run back, they tell their family what had happened. Newspapers picked up this story. And, uh, once it did, like it really, really took off. Thousands of religious pilgrims began visiting uh, Fatima in Portugal to see if they could witness these angels and the Virgin Mary for themselves. Well, on October 13th, just as you know, the, the alleged Virgin Mary had, had commanded as many as a hundred thousand people arrived in this Portuguese town at the prophesied place to witness this alleged miracle. Um, after a brief but conveniently timed rain shower, like it's like I'm not saying like the girls had control over this or knew what was going to happen. Like it's just very good timing. Um, the clouds parted ways with and then revealed the sun, which appeared not as again, not like the same bright golden ball of light that you see today, but as an opaque spinning disc. And, you know, obviously like it was duller than it normally was. But it also was shooting these multicolored lights across the gathering of people, this group of 100,000 people. Um, 
as this light show allegedly like moved through the crowd, the sun then started to look as if it was getting closer, like it was getting bigger before it started darting back and forth in the sky and then returned to its normal position. Um, everyone, this, everyone in the crowd who had been standing out in the rain had, you know, within seconds was completely dry. Uh, the muddy ground that had developed beneath them was as dry as it had been before it started raining. Uh, the three children who originally reported the apparitions also claimed to see Jesus, our lady of sorrows, which is like the sad virgin of Virgin Mary. I think according to like Catholic tradition, I don't know. Um, they also saw the, uh, our lady of Mount Carmel, which is the Carmelite order version of Mount of Virgin Mary. Uh, they also saw St. Joseph all giving blessings to the crowd. And then just like that, everyone left and went home. Like they were like, Oh wow, that's pretty cool. All right, we're gone. Uh, in 1930. And like, they, like, I, I think like no one really ever did anything about it. It's just like, Oh wow. These kids were pretty right. That was wild. All right. Well back to the war and, and like nothing happened. But then in 1930, uh, the Catholic church revisited the event and declared it as a supernatural event and create and uh, erected a shrine near the site. Uh, Pope Pius Twelfth not only approved the event as a divine event in 1940, but he also claimed to have witnessed something similar himself 10 years later as he walked through the gardens in the Vatican. Uh, in the 1950s, Father John DeMarkey uh, published several books containing eyewitness accounts from this event back in Portugal. Skeptical people, however, quickly began arguing that, like, if the sun really had danced around in the sky as it was reported at Fatima, then reports would have also come in from all over the world that this was happening, right? Like, because, like, obviously the sun is way out there and it's shining on, like, half of the earth at any given time. And so if it was dancing around for people in Portugal, obviously it'd be doing the same thing in like England and France and Germany, but like no other reports of that came in. Um, others kind of look at the varying experiences and descriptions from those in attendance, along with dozens of journalists and photographers that were there. And like everyone's account was pretty different. Like there was not a real consensus on what actually happened or the, you know, the order of events. Uh, meteorologist Stuart Campbell wrote in 1989 that a layer of dust in the atmosphere would have caused the sun to appear dimmer uh, after the clouds had parted from the rainstorm. It also would have given it that appearance that it was spinning. And it would also be responsible for giving off various colors that were reported that day, um, which in the end of the day, like could have been something called a sun dog, which is a, a common atmospheric phenomenon that basically looks like a small portion of a rainbow. Like it typically happens when the upper levels of the atmosphere are like way, way colder. And then you get kind of ice crystals that form and then the sun's light passes through them and they sometimes generate colors of the rainbow. But it looks like you know, if you look up at the sun on, on, you know, at times when there's a sun dog, there's these arcs around the sun and sometimes it's a full circle around the sun, but you know, maybe at different points along the circle, there are these extra little, what looks like basically bursts of different color, not like super vibrant or anything, but like that makes a ton of sense. On the other hand, 
there was so many things that needed to happen in order for these this gr- these girls' prophecies to come true, right? So, like, not only did they have to get the date right, which they did. They said, hey, come back on August, October 13th. Something cool is going to happen. And then it did. But something odd also needed to happen in the air, which it did. And, like, even if the Portuguese people misremembered the order of events and were instead just looking at the sun behind a masked thin wall of clouds... It doesn't necessarily explain the multicolored lights that were reported to move through the crowd. And maybe that was exaggerated. Maybe that was added later. I don't know. Um, But that's why it's easier to believe that Jesus, Jesus, Joseph, two virgins of Virgin Mary appeared in the sky to prove their existence to a group of Portuguese people who were obviously very frightened and concerned about the end of the world, thanks to World War I, than it is to try to line up all of the scientific ingredients that needed to occur in order to make all of that happen on that day. So, like, I totally get why this is a thing, and that's why it's, you know, not super easy to explain. So yeah, strange things in the sky, in the books, uh, just, yeah, you know, it's like, I don't, the first couple were like 500 years ago. I don't know how you can even begin to try to logically explain that based on the language and the imagery that was used. Um, you know, could have very well been, you know, fires or, you know, smoke and things, you know, hovering over the sun, uh, some other atmospheric conditions, who knows, who knows, but Yeah, just some interesting, just unexplained or potentially paranormal uh, or supernatural events from the sky. So let's recap and see what we learned today. What did we learn? Number one, in the 1560s, Nuremberg, Germany and Basel, Switzerland both reported very similar instances of the sun shrinking, losing its brightness, and then these black circles or spheres dancing around and seemingly fighting with each other. And no one has any idea what that was all about, unless it was aliens. Probably aliens, right? Uh, Number two, in the early 1800s, Chimney Rock in North Carolina, people were seeing what looked like People or angels or soldiers flying around the mountain, fighting in battles. But unfortunately, nothing has been seen since. And then number three, 1917 in Fatima, Portugal, three Catholic girls claimed that something crazy was going to happen on October 13th. And then lo and behold, kind of actually did. Was it atmospheric things lining up or did these three Catholic girls actually receive a vision from the Virgin Mary? Next week on Our Weird World, we're going to do another kind of different episode, at least in terms of the typical vein of the way these things normally go. We are looking at three stories of some very heroic people, right? Nothing terrible, nothing heinous, nothing 
like horrifying, just three dudes who were heroes. All right. We are looking at the stories of Clifford Johnson, Ed Ray and Wag Dodge, which is like the coolest name ever. Wag Dodge. He, he was from like Montana or something. So like, that'll make sense next week when we go over that story. So if you're looking to be inspired or just kind of a, you know, different direction than what we normally go. We'll get back into the scary stuff later. I promise. Uh, but that's going to be next week. Thank you all for continuing to listen. Keep telling all your friends and keep it weird. I've known a few guys who thought they were pretty smart But you've got being right down to an art. You think you're a genius. You drive me up the wall. You're a regular original, a know-it-all. Okay, so you're a rocket scientist. That don't impress me much. So you got the brain, but have you got the touch? Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think you're all right. But that won't keep me warm in the middle of the night. That don't impress me much. I never knew a guy who carried a mirror in his pocket and a comb up his sleeve just in case. And all that extra hold gel in your hair ought to lock it because heaven forbid it should fall out of place. You're one of those guys who likes to shine his machine. You make me take off my shoes before you let me get in. I can't believe you kiss your car goodnight. Come on, baby, tell me. You must be joking, right? Oh, oh, you think you're something special? Oh, oh, you think you're something else. Okay, so you're Brad Pitt. That don't impress me much. So you got the looks, but have you got the touch? Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think you're all right. But that won't keep me warm in the middle of the night. That don't impress me much.